Welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have a returning guest, Mr. Dave Spencer, host of Practically Political. It's a podcast. He has a long, extensive background. He was born in New York as a member of the Rockefeller family. He is the grandson of John D. Rockefeller III. And, you know, actually a remarkable guy. We disagree politically on many things, but great guy. Dave, welcome. Thanks for having me again. It's great to be back in the pen. Yeah, man, good to have you back. So usually at this point, Dave, I would say, I don't want to presume what you know or believe about this particular topic, but I'm going to presume something this time. When your greatest hope is Larry Elder, you've obviously made some bad decisions in your life. Uh, well, I actually voted no on the recall, and then I voted for Kevin Kiley. I think Larry Elder is very entertaining, but he is not qualified to be governor. And what I keep telling people in the California GOP is, you know, they boast about, oh, we raised this money, we reached 18 million new voters. You're on the 25 to 30% side of the issues, where most Californians are on the 60 to 70% side. You can raise all the money and make all the contacts you want, but until you start coming around to what most Californians believe, and certainly they're more liberal than I am, you're not, you're not going to go very far. And Gavin Newsom ran a very successful campaign saying Trumpism is still around, even though Trump isn't. And that did rally a significant number of voters to the polls. Let me highlight a few things that happened during this election. Naturally, 200 to $300 million of taxpayer money was spent. When you look at the calculation of people making contributions, commercials and everything else, you're well over half a billion dollars at that point. Massively expensive, right? Over 40 candidates qualified to run for this seat. and. People came out, it was a hyper turnout as far as a recall is concerned. And they voted, I don't think it was just the anti-Trump thing. I think Trump represents an ideology. It's still very closely connected to policy, even if you don't have an exacting policy agenda. Trump is identified through ideology, which is the cousin of policy anyway. So these guys did not have a policy message that was attractive to the majority of voters that would participate. Am I wrong on that? No, you're absolutely right. In fact, I think the policy message again was this 25 to 30% appeal to the base stuff that you hear from Governor Ron DeSantis, you hear it from a lot of these people. And I just don't think it's a viable long-term strategy for the Republican Party. And even those of us who are pragmatists, don't like recalls for what they're being used for. Recalls are for threats to the state. They're for criminal activity. They're not for policy or political disagreements. That's why we have elections. And I felt that way, by the way, about Scott Walker in Wisconsin in 2013. You know, it's just this this you know, this ongoing thing you see where people just don't like the outcomes of elections, and they're they do everything they can to change them or contest them or say they were rigged or stolen or whatever. Let's talk about Larry Elder because he was the number one guy of a bunch of guys that had no chance of being governor. Okay, why was Larry Elder so popular within the bubble of Republican politics in California? Now I'm not in Cali, so you know when I saw that Larry Elder was polling at number one among Republicans, that was surprising to me. I've known of Larry Elder for decades, and he's always been 
a really far right guy defending what's not defendable. I mean, this has been his thing on radio. And he even admitted, I'm a talk radio guy. And I remember when he admitted years ago that he just says some things just to be sensational. He doesn't really believe them. It's meant to spark conversation and narrative. So why did he shoot to the front of the pack like this? Well, let's put it in perspective, okay? He had 12% of the vote. Now in 2003, when Gray Davis was recalled, Republicans were about 35% of the electorate. Now they're down to 24. So I think that most Republicans or a lot of people I know either tuned out or they picked Kevin Kiley or Kevin Faulkner, former mayor of San Diego, who were the two candidates that actually had some ideas. But Larry Elder was, you know, he's a sensationalist, as you said. He says things to attract attention. He doesn't say things to craft policy or to make an intellectual contribution to what's going on in politics. So I think a lot of people out of rage, and again, you know, these this recall was based on visceral reasons, not cerebral reasons. People were irritated about his handling, Newsom's handling of COVID or that their kids weren't back in school, all this stuff. And so they just wanted to take it out. It's that throw the bums out mentality. So 12% of the vote, and that's one of the flaws of California's recall system is if Newsom were voted out or if the recall were approved, you could have a governor with 12% of the vote. And that's I found not exactly that. democratic. Yeah, I found that fascinating when I researched the protocol for the way California does the recall. So one that got the signatures, they met the threshold for signatures and it goes to this recall where literally, even if you had a person that was at 5%, if the field is split significantly and the person at 5% is your number one and everybody else is just taking 4% here, 3% there, then that person becomes governor of Florida. How in the, who crafted that? Who wrote that? Well, it's actually, it's in the, it's in the state constitution. I think, you know, Californians, we are, we, I should say we as because I live here, not because I agree with it, mm-hmm. but pride ourselves on being able to have all these propositions. It started back in 1978, of course, when Howard Jarvis put Proposition 13, which we we did our whole property tax system. So, but the problem is that this the system of, of referenda, which were designed to combat the special interests, now have become a tool of them. Yeah. So it kind of it kind of defeats the whole purpose. But I think. It, I, if I could make one change, I would say recalls have to be for criminal or activities that's considered a threat to the state or a threat to the government. If you just made that one change, then I think that would make a big difference. And it's so easy, you know, 12 million, one and a half million signatures is all you need. Out of 40 million people, that's not a heavy lift. Yeah. Yeah, you have the right campaign, you organize it. You can get that many signatures, obviously, not a big deal. But then, as you said, the messaging does not connect to the sentiment of people in California. Let me ask you about you, Dave, because you know I've said this to a friend of mine about you, man, because we 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 share some Twitter friends, etc. I said, you know, Dave is a dying breed, and you may disagree with that. You may think this is just a phase of the Republican Party. I think it's over with for guys like you. I think people like you. You got plenty of common sense. My grandmother would say you got walking around sense. All right, well educated. You're you're part of a mainstream voice inside of the Republican Party, but your voice is is people like you. They are restricting your voice now to where you don't have the same level of influence in the party. So common sense conversations don't happen as often as as they should. Do you disagree with my position on that? 
No, in fact, I think, uh, you know, look at what, other than Liz Cheney and now Adam Kinzinger in college, in Congress, how many people can you say are really standing up for what they believe? And that's been the major problem with the party is that in the post-Trump era, uh, people are, are rewarded for loyalty and the bar has been set so low that stuff that would be offensive to us, we just shrug at right now. And the bottom line is, and this is where the Dems need to come in, as long as there's not a political price to be paid for this, it's gonna keep on happening. Yeah. I talked to a lot of Republicans and they say, hey, 2020, that was Trump. That's the reason Biden won. That wasn't the Republican Party. We gained seats in the House and the Senate. That's only because Trump interfered in the two Georgia races. We're 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 fine. And it's that attitude, and you get complicity all around. And when you, you know, when you live in a society, when you have people that can't even agree on the same facts, and a lot of people I know who now are saying that Fox News isn't isn't conservative enough, even Newsmax. You know, sadly, the people that are really conspiratorial are the people that get their information from Facebook. And I tell you, I would, if I were president, I'd be hauling Mark Zuckerberg in front of Congress every month because the damage that's been done through that uh, through that site is beyond words. Let me ask you this, man. It's really interesting, right? Because you talk about how there are Republicans out there saying, hey, that was a Trump thing. We lost those two incumbent senators in Georgia because of Trump. And that's kind of true, okay? But there are other variables as well. Over 80%, a recent poll was done, over 80% of current Republican voters are saying that it is important to be a Republican, for a Republican to identify not only with Donald Trump, but the big lie that the election was stolen. So you have a majority of Republican voters saying now, in order for you to really be identified as a Republican in their mind, you must agree that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. That's an important variable to them. Now, based on how the questions were posed in this survey, it doesn't mean they believe that. It simply means, it doesn't mean they believe the election was stolen. It simply means they believe you must believe that in order to be a Republican today, over 80%. I think that's problematic. And usually, Dave, the way this works is this. Platforms are strong, right? The Republican platform is a strong platform. The Democratic platform, strong platform. The institution of the presidency, the White House, strong platform. When people become presidents, right? They usually do things to try to rise up to the level of the institution. They try to rise up to the level of that institution and govern accordingly. What Donald Trump was able to do is he was able to shrink those institutions to fit him. He shrunk the institution of the White House to fit him. He shrunk the institution of the Republican Party to fit him. You all are the Trump party now because you allowed him to shrink you to that. I agree, and I would say a few things. First of all, 2020 was the first time, and I can remember, that a major political parties did not have a platform. The Republican Party did not have a platform. Yeah, it, is, it wasn't needed. It was whatever Donald Trump, whatever Donald Trump says. And I agree with you. That's his legacy that worries me the most. Is and you look at people like J.D. Vance. You know, I mean, these are smart people, right? And they're buying into this. It's and you look at some of the people that he's supporting. For secretaries of state in Michigan and Arizona, people that if they'd been there in 2020, they might have been able to find those 11,780 votes that they needed in Georgia. 
And uh, let me just say one other thing about to, to Democrats about these, these voter restriction laws is that prior to 2020, I don't think it was a problem. 2020, you had record turnout for Joe Biden, you had record turnout African American for African Americans. But what so what's happened this time, instead of laws that deal with while the votes being counted, which has always been the case, now you have laws that deal with after the vote is counted. And that's what's most insidious. And HR1, that omnibus voter bill that the Democrats want to pass, doesn't even address this. But in Georgia, here's, a, here's an example. They are allowed to overturn what the counties say. Now the law says only four counties can be overturned. And you'd say, oh, gee, Georgia has 159 counties, second most in the country in Texas. What's four counties? Well, DeKalb, Fulton, Gwinnett, and Cobb County are those four counties. And if you overturn those four counties, Donald Trump would have won Georgia. In fact, if you could just get rid of, in his mind, Philadelphia and Atlanta and Detroit, Donald Trump would have been president. Yeah, so that's, and that's, yeah, that's what we have to worry about. Yeah, and what you're referring to is Senate Bill 202. Senate Bill 202 had a lot of different variables in the bill, but the most oppressive was to allow the state to allow the Republican lawmakers to appoint a superintendent of elections temporarily in order to take over a board of elections locally if they do not like the results of that. Now, let me tell you something else that's happening. They've already started the process for Fulton County. Fulton County, yeah, they've already started it. So, you know, here's what Republicans have learned, okay? And at some point, our laws got to catch up. Our constitutions throughout the states, we have to catch up with this. They have learned it's not just about who cast the vote, it's also about who counts them. And what they're doing strategically is making sure they have um, statutory authorities in place to count votes and to be the final certifi- uh, certifier for those votes, right? That's yeah, part of the plan. Yeah, and this is. And this, this again goes back to something that I, I believe for a long time. For better or worse, Republicans understand power, Democrats don't. Every time Republicans try something and says, oh my God, that's never been tried before. Great, then it might work. Whether it's stealing the Supreme Court seat, all this stuff. Who cares if 95% of the country supports background checks? You know, we're gonna do it, be damned. Who cares if we have a slim minority? We're gonna govern as a majority, stop us. And so that's something. Whereas Democrats are so, you know, it's not it's not incompetent, but oh, this may look, you know, we got to get consensus. It seems like it's hurting cats, and that's where there's got to be more pushback on the Democratic Party because absolutely, as I said, there is no political price that thus far that's being paid for this stuff, and until there is, it's going to get worse, not better, because yeah, the Republican just- Party they feel the white minority rule. The only way to do that demographically, they know they're screwed, right? So the only way to do it is to rig the system. You bring- made a hell of a point. That's it. Because Democrats do have, they already have consensus. They have the sentiment. The majority of the policies that Republicans are in the minority, well, guess who's in the majority? Democrats are. The, the American population yeah. is more so on the side of the policy of the Democrat than on the side of the Republican. So they're literally leading by way of a minority, not only minority in the political sense, but a minority in the sentiment sense, right? Uh, but you're right, yeah. they have figured out how to place key people in certain roles to retain and obtain power. Now, I will say this about Democrats, because 
Those who lean left, all right? I don't consider myself a Democrat, I'm a progressive, all right? I'm different than a Democrat. And when you get close enough, you can see the difference. But those who lean left, there's this hesitation to become the mirror image based on methodology and other things of those who are on the right. Well, that's all process, right? That's process. The issue is we're fighting some diabolical Republicans, okay? These individuals don't give a damn about your sensibilities. Now, I get the the caution because I was reminded by a very wise person, listen, you cannot become the evil you seek to eliminate. You cannot become that in the process. But I think there's a middle ground here where you don't have to become the evil that you're seeking to get rid of. But at the same time, playing the game at the speed of the game. Well, no, I, I, uh, I absolutely agree with you. And here's a classic example when I talk about what's frustrating. The whole infrastructure thing. There's a bill that 19 Republican senators vote for. It's the kind of infrastructure people want. But I'm worried that you know the squad, AOC and the other three and Bernie Sanders are basically not gonna let that bill go through unless this three and a half trillion dollar bill gets voted on as well. And Joe Manchin has made it clear as has Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, they don't support that kind of spending. President Biden needs a win more than ever. His presidency is at stake. Pass that first infrastructure bill, then you can go back to reconciliation. And this is let something, me, again, to me, that's such a no-brainer. Let me give you another, another perspective, okay? I actually think they're gonna end up passing it because, you know, it is what it is. Um, I support the squad. I support um, Brother Bernie, I support AOC, I support what they're doing. And, and, and I know you know what they're doing here. They're trying to pressure from within their own political party to do what Donald Trump and his crew was able to do to the Republican Party. But they're doing it for good. They're doing it for agendas and policies that people do believe in that will actually help others. Where Republicans or those that are the Trump era Republicans or Trump like Republicans, they did it from within their party as well. And they were able to make some significant progress with advancing when they did have a little more power. And now that they don't have much power, you still have this Trump minority calling the shots because they control, brother, all Republican primaries virtually now in the United States of America, which puts Trump in a very special position of power. So what they're well, trying to do is something similar to bill. Pass the first bill, everybody wants it. Why hold, hold it hostage? I guess this is the thing to me, it's this perfect being the enemy of the good. My yeah. classic example of this is in 2016 in Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin, there were two to three times as many voters who voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary, who voted for Donald Trump in the general election. And my response is what? Are you kidding me? It's the same type of thing. Well, if it's not my way, then we're all going down. And I just think it's bad politics and it's something that's gonna hurt the Democrats. Pass that first infrastructure bill, you can come back to reconciliation. Manchin may not approve three and a half trillion, but you can get one to two trillion. You can get a lot of other stuff passed, but Biden needs a win, do it now. And and like I said, man, I know what they're doing. Um, I believe in what they're doing. 
I do believe it's gonna eventually pass with compromise, just like all of the other bills passed with compromise. We wanted much more in the stimulus package. We wanted more with a lot of these bills, right? But there was a compromise and politics, unfortunately, is always the art of compromise, not just doing the right thing. You gotta work with a whole lot of people who have very various ideas. Well, uh, brother, stimulus Michael. is one plan. I mean, this, is, this was two bills, pass the first yeah. one, then do the second one. But you know the trick, Dave? The trick is, and listen, Democrats will play this trick on Democrats. Yeah, go ahead and pass this bill. I got you back on the next one. We'll come back to the table. And they're lying because they're political rather than public servants. One thing you can say about people like AOC and those that represent the progressive movement of the party, they are more authentic public servants than your average politician. And I've met many of them and interviewed many of them on my radio show. They are different. They are completely different than some of the corporate Democrats. And I think that's refreshing, not only to those who are apolitical, right? Not really involved in politics, but it has to be refreshing for cats like you to see authenticity and politics for a change. Well, I wonder if that authenticity doesn't have more to do with the fact that they're in safe congressional districts as opposed to being in swing districts. I think there's a, there's an element of survival here. You know, a lot of these people. Uh, who have to have, who have to actually a serious re-election fight or primary fight? They have to worry more about uh, pleasing both sides, and that's not true with, unfortunately, way too many people on both sides. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate reality of Manchin as well, right? That he he plays this um, footsie on both sides uh, because of the the nature of his district. Brother, my producers are telling me I got to wrap it up. Always fun to chat with you. They All I would time. say about Joe Manchin is there's not a person on this planet, another person who could hold that Senate seat as a Democrat. That's so what everybody keeps Joe, saying, man. Everybody's it's a true. My man. uncle served in that state I, for 40 years. I know I it pretty well. It, and listen, there are a lot of people when I talk about Joe Manchin, they are Democrats. Uh, they email me, they tag me on on Twitter, saying the same thing that you just said. I have no love for Joe Manchin whatsoever. I, I'm just putting it out there. I do not like what he represents. Period. I don't give a damn that he's a Democrat. I don't care that he votes sometimes with Democrats, and and really he votes most of the time with Democrats. Most by the of way, the time if, if you look at yeah. right item by item. But here's the problem I have with Joe Dave. He votes against us, the community, on major social policy and legislation that would impact us in a way that's significant. He, you know, he leaves us on the major stuff. All right. He supported the greatest reduction in childhood poverty with the American Rescue Plan, so at least give him that. Well, listen, man, that was before he was well funded by some of these other cats that just got in his pockets. Now it's a different story. But I'm with you on that. I know he made some good votes in the past. He's not making good votes now. And what is politics? What have you done for me lately? That's the game of politics. Yeah. I appreciate you, Dave. Hey, always great being with you. Thanks so much. Absolutely, brother.